There's a way about asking for this. I'm not going to go there, though. We've been in Philippians for a good while now, and it's been a good, good while. Today, our reading comes from, uh, you may stand if you'd like. I was going to bore you for a little bit with an observation. Um, Today, we have a paragraph out of a section called Exhortations. And while it deals with exhortations of prayer, um, it also deals with some things like attitude, and that's the focus of these four verses. So, these four verses will begin with four, four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. Well said. I just realized that now that the masks come off, there's about 10 or 12 of you that I don't know. Just kidding. It'd be nice if we had people sneaking in during that time, huh? This is, um, Gail, you kind of stole my thunder just a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. Because, you know, they talk about the more often you repeat things, the more likely people are to remember it. But this is really, Paul's talking about an attitude. He's instructing us in prayer here. Um, this is not a prayer. He's, in his, he's giving us some instructions about how to pray. Um, what to include in our prayers. And so I I think it's important to realize that. An Oklahoma pastor collected the following true events. Samuel Leibowitz, a brilliant criminal lawyer, saved 78 people from the electric chair and not a single one thanked him. When Clarence Darrow, through his legal brilliance, freed two men from execution, the wealthy... the wealthy... I was out of the pulpit for a week, so. The wealthy relatives haggled bitterly over a modest fee. Art King had the radio program Job Center of the Air. He supposedly found jobs for 2,500 people of whom only 10 ever thanked him. Dear Abby wrote of the woman who for four years had given four neighboring children rides to school. The woman said, now I don't want a medal, but when I meet one of the mothers in the grocery store or at PTO, not one has ever said thank you to me. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it speaks of the godlessness of the last days. And one of the things that will characterize humanity in those days is ingratitude. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days it will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. 
they will consider nothing sacred. It's unfortunate, and I, I think a sad indictment on the times we live in that so many people in our culture are ungrateful. I think there is this tendency to focus very often on what we don't have, which creates a dissatisfaction with what we do have. And many times a failure then to recognize the daily blessings that are part of our lives. We are blessed daily. So often we take for granted things that we should be giving thanks for. I think it's important for us to learn to give thanks even when life is not gracious to us. In fact, the Bible encourages us to that. Bobby Jones, a champion golfer, once said, Have you ever noticed how much golfers practice? Smart businessmen have been quick to take advantage of that, developing a couple of driving engines where we can practice driving the ball and cutting things where we can practice our cutting. Maybe that's why. But why hasn't someone developed public sand traps? Sand traps are an inevitable part of the game of golf. And every golfer ought to practice ahead of time how to get out of trouble. Sand traps are an inevitable part of the game of life as well. By the way, when I did play golf, Sand traps and water were magnets. Just thought I'd tell you that. I needed this practice. Sand traps are an inevitable part of the game of life as well. We need to practice ahead of time how to get out of trouble. In golf, the key elements to escaping a sand trap have to do with selecting the right club, proper positioning, and impacts when you swing. A key to successfully negotiating our way out of life's sand traps is thanksgiving. Paul in verses 4 and 5 is setting the table, I think, for what comes in verses 6 and 7. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Rejoice here is a present tense verb which indicates that it is not to be so much a spontaneous outburst, but rather, in other words, we come to church and we rejoice. No, it's to be an ongoing practice of life. That's what Paul's telling us here. We rejoice in the Lord. Now, certainly we can, ex- we can rejoice in God's goodness to experience through all He provides for us in a physical and material way. You know, this give us this day our daily bread kind of things that He does for us all the time. But I think what Paul is encouraging here is to rejoice in God for who He is. The aspects of His character that make Him God. I mean, we're, we always appreciate, you know, the the things God gives us, the things God does for us. But what make the things that make Him God, like mercy, grace, patience, love, justice, holiness, faithfulness, power, wisdom, His omnipresence, His omnipotence, those things that make Him God, God and you know, the list could go on. 
In fact, Paul highlights the, the omnipresence of aspect of God in verse 5 when he says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's closer than your next breath. This is a needed reminder, I think, as then he heads into verse 6 where we are told, do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything. Why? He just told us. He is always with us. An ever-present help in times of trouble. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is near. And so we're told to pray about everything. Now, this sermon isn't specifically about prayer, but rather one aspect of prayer I think that can be easily forgotten when we, when we bring our prayers and petitions to God because if we're honest, I think we admit that much of our praying and petitioning revolves around I want or I need or please do this or just plain help. It's about those sand traps that we find ourselves in or maybe that others are in that we care about. And we want help, God's help in getting out. Paul's not saying that there's anything wrong with those type of help or I need or I want or please do. He's not saying there's anything wrong with that type of prayer, but he does remind us that that rather than seeing only the problem, we need to elevate our vision. To see things that we should be thankful for and express our gratitude to God for those So it is that aspect of prayer that we will focus on. And by the way, um, you know, I, I said this is instructional. I think what Paul's saying is, when you go to prayer, Thanksgiving is a great way to start. Here's why. And I've said this to you before. If we take time to give God thanks for for who He is, and for the things He's done in our lives, and the time He's bailed us out of tough situations, or brought healing, or provision, or whatever it is that He's done to answer your prayer, that reminds us of who God is and what He's done and how He's been active in our lives previously. Right? So here we are again. Okay? Praying about something. But first we take time to look back and see how God has been faithful, how He's provided, how He's helped and how He's chosen and all those things. And that just reminds us of what God's able to do until now. As we give thanksgiving, we're able to bring our prayers and knowing that He can, right? He can. He's been faithful to us before, He'll be faithful again. And then when that happens, it leads to this thing at the end of this passage that Paul talks about, peace passage, understanding. We're thankful? Yes, God did. God can do again. That brings great peace in this situation that other days. So Thanksgiving, because it's such such a critical part. First of all, Thanksgiving is intended to be ongoing in the life of the Christian. 
Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Ephesians 5.20 Always, that means always, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many? Okay, just a reminder: uh, we have three, we raised three daughters. Okay, I was the only male present. So we watched lots of stuff that girls would be interested. Anna, Anna Green Gables. I watched Anna Green Gables. I don't know how many times. There is a scene where Marilla is talking to Anne about prayer prayer and says that God is not interested in fair-weather friends. We tend to be fair-weather bankers sometimes. When things are going well, thank you, God. Oh, my God, good. That's when we're getting what we want and, you know, we're smelling the roses and the birds are singing in the air and we are thankful. But the command is to be thankful continually. That's, we see this throughout the scripture. We will be thankful continually it's to be a daily habit. Not something we think of only when life is treating us right or during a certain season, season of the year. Thanksgiving is God's will no matter the circumstances. This is uh, Focus on the Family is the Princeton's Bulletin inserts. And this is a, a piece from one of those inserts. It says, It's easy to express our gratitude to God when He blesses us, but not so easy when it all goes wrong. I'm reminded of Gigi Graham's Tradition's story about the time she ordered sand for the sandbox in the backyard. The sand truck arrived but made deep trenches in the grass. The truck also broke off branches from the overhanging trees. Then it got stuck. The more the driver accelerated, the deeper he sank, until the truck began sliding down the hill. Later, a tow truck arrived. The driver left more trenches. He broke both sprinkler pipes, splinter branches, and uprooted small trees. I could just see that happening. Both trucks were now stuck. Eventually, truck number three arrived, an 18 wheeler. They had to out. Gigi was left to the yard of the truck The day had been a disaster, but when she tucked in her eight-year-old for the night, she was astonished at his care. And thank you, Lord, for an exciting day and all the entertainment we had. That's giving thanks. There are times when we feel we could do with a little less excitement and But the Lord directs us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's verse 7 And we're reminded in Habakkuk. 
chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, by the way, that's exactly That's an agrarian culture we're talking about here. And it's all gone wrong. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the Thanks in all circumstances. Next, thanksgiving is an act of faith. Hebrews 12.28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We're accepting, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's still happening. It's not been fulfilled yet. And yet we are to be thankful. Having an attitude of gratitude is an act of faith. It means you are unafraid to live and be joyful because you have faith in God who cares for you and provides for you. He is faithful and His promises are true. He never fails. He never fails. He never fails. It's truly believing that God has the power to work all things together for good. By the way, we have trouble with that one. Because we have limited perspective on life. I remember somebody saying, you know, uh, it's like watching a parade. And so you grab your folding chairs and find a spot on the curb, you know, to watch... But you only see the, the part of the parade that's basically passing in front of you. God's up there somewhere and He sees the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade. But we just see a, this part. And so a lot of times when things happen in life, we say, how can that possibly work out for good? Because we cannot see from God's perspective. God's timeless perspective. He is faithful and His promises are true. He never fails. It's, it's truly believing, again, that God has the power to work out all things for good. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. And then Thanksgiving acknowledges God's sovereignty. We know that God can change our circumstances if He chooses to do so. But more often, it is His desire to change our attitude through our circumstances. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm one, I want God to change my circumstances. But, it's when um, the sandpaper of life starts to work on you that, you know, the refining happens. As someone has said, God is more interested in our character than in our comfort. A thankful heart goes a long way in changing our attitude and our circumstances. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to Him in song. 
Psalm 136, verses 2 through 4. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, His love endures forever. God's good is Thanksgiving strengthens us for the difficulty of life. Corey Ten Boom writes, Anxiety never releases tomorrow of its problems. Anxiety never releases tomorrow of its problems. It only empties today of its strength. Jesus talked about that, didn't He? About worry. When we accept that God knows the outcome of every problem and we can thank Him, then we can have strength to see every trial through to its end. Even in apparent defeat, we know that Christ has won the victory. And there are, that looks, there's some defeats along the way, aren't there? But we know who wins ultimately. We do not have to live defeated lives. We can live thankful lives. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be people who give thanks to God continually. It's to be an attitude of our lives. Here's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving isn't a way to manipulate God into giving us what we want. Well, I've thanked him for it, so he's got to do it. I've read some books like that. <clears throat> it's, a little, it's a little holy arm twisting. If we thank God for something, he's obligated to do what we ask. See, Thanksgiving rests on God's promises. It is knowing that he has promised to meet our needs and that he cannot fail. And if we're able to, to give thanks to Him, even when things look dark and we don't know... Uh, remember that title? Um, I've shared it with you before. God has never failed me yet, but He scared me to death a few times. Okay? God will answer in some way. And we can give thanks for that. I believe the answer's on the way. Remember that song. And what this does, though, then, when we come to God this way and give Him thanks for whatever His answer will be, it releases us from that tendency to depend on ourselves to meet our needs. In fact, we're promised in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But thanking God is not a way to manipulate Him into doing what you want Him to do then thanksgiving does not change God's timing. Generally, our request is, hurry up, God, and do it now. Right? That's our preferred, that's our preferred timeline. Hurry up, God, and do it now. Psalm 27, 14, Wait for the Lord. I hate to wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I hate to wait. Waiting with thankfulness means that we have an expectation that God will work. While we go about life and face its challenges with a quiet spirit and a sense of expectation of what God will do, even though we're not sure what that might be. 
This enables us to fulfill our responsibilities and take our hands off those things that we would like to control. And then Thanksgiving does not eliminate or delay the inevitable. 1 Peter 4.12 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Being thankful doesn't change outcomes, but it does allow us to face the difficult circumstances of life with grace and peace. It is putting our faith in God who knows the end from the beginning and who has a plan and a purpose through whatever we face. And the product of thanksgiving? Well, an attitude of thanks produces a spirit of peace. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's talking about untroubled, undisturbed well-being. And I'm not always really good at that. Have you ever had a sleepless night over something that was bothering you? Yeah, we all laugh. It's no fun though, is it? Peace that passes all understanding. It's the tranquility of someone who's been relieved of stress or distress. This verse tells us that peace will put up a barrier, a wall that will protect our hearts and minds from turmoil and disturbing influences. This is ours to experience when we obey the command to be thankful in everything. Bring our prayers and petitions to God. And then we get to experience that peace that passes on this Think about the person who wrote these verses. If anyone might have a reason to be ungrateful, we could say, Paul oh, might be one of those people. Think of all the rotten stuff that happened to him. I mean, he was shipwrecked, snake bit, spent I don't know how much time in jail. He was beaten, starved, run out of town. And that was in spite of the fact that he did everything God did. What? Look at me, God. I've done all everything you asked, and this this thing is happening to me. Paul was committed, he was obedient, and he dealt with all kinds of difficulties. Oh yeah. And he considered all this stuff rubbish compared to the joy of being Christ. Not that big a deal. Light and momentary troubles, he called them. How, how often have you been in the midst of something and you said, man, this is taking forever. Don't we do that? Light, if we thought more like Paul did there, this stuff is rubbish compared to the joy of knowing Christ. Light and momentary troubles. 
If we thought more like that, I wonder, would we be more consistently grateful? Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 35.18 says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly among throngs of people. I will praise you. Thank God. So, thanksgiving is a reminder of who God is and what He has done for us previously in answer to our prayers. Just because He is good. And then that leads us to confidently bring our prayers and petitions to Him. And when we do that, that can lead to peace. Because what we have brought to God is now in His hands. But don't take it back. I'm pretty good at that sometimes. So I think in this passage where Paul gives us instruction, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Remember who God is. Remember who God is as well as how you've seen Him be active in your life before. Remember that He is near. And don't worry about anything. Instead, come to God with thanksgiving. Count your blessings. Go back to those stones of remembrance that you set up in your life along the way. Think about what God has done to meet your needs, to answer prayers, to be at work in your life. And then, with that in mind, bring your prayers and petitions to Him. Because that will change your attitude about who God is and what He can do for you. You will come to Him with confidence then. And when you do that, you can walk away leaving that thing in God's hands and you'll experience a peace that passes under You know, um, I've had people say to me about Christians that they've seen walking through really difficult times in their lives. They cannot understand why they have not just lost it. They're thinking, I would. The secret to, some of the secret to that is right here in this passage that Paul gives us today. We have a God who walks with us, who will never leave us or forsake us. We can trust Him. We can thank Him in all circumstances. And we can trust Him to answer our prayers. And that gives us an incredible peace. That people scratch their head and say, how can you Amen. Father, we thank you today because you are good all the time. I think sometimes, again, one of the things we struggle with is how we define good. How we need to see that from your perspective. Well, we're so grateful for your faithfulness in us. How you have supplied, how you healed, how you directed, how you protected, how you guided, comforted. So many ways you have worked in our lives. We can look back and count our blessings and see those times in our lives that were, <clears throat> I mean, it was a huge thing. And, and that's where we, we have the stones of remembrance. 
wow, God can't do that. We go back and we look at those things and how just this week or earlier today and we give you thanks and then we come to you with those things that are on our hearts and lives. And with that foundation of thanksgiving already built, now we can ask you with confidence because we see how you have not failed us before but have been so faithful. We bring those prayers and petitions to you leave them in your hands with that confidence and, and experience that peace that passes. And that takes us right back around to our ability to rejoice in you, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice because you are near. And we thank you that you are near. You are faithful. We give you praise and thanks. And we pray this in Jesus' name.